Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we're trying to find some balance in this world full of extremes. All right, let's get into the episode. So today I'm going to be playing an interview that I recorded a while ago. It was probably a good month or two ago. Uh, Actually, one of my followers, Amelia, reached out to me and she has an interesting background. She's a certified nutrition coach. Uh, So we're going to talk to her in just a few minutes. Uh, But first, a quick personal update. So I have been literally running around like a chicken with its head cut off this week. I have been, especially today, today has been insane. And I, so I, last week I did cook a bunch of stuff that I just, I wanted to get rid of a lot of the stuff that I had in the house so it didn't go bad. So I had made a bunch of quinoa and chopped up a bunch of herbs and stuff And I actually ate it this week. I was very proud of myself. You know, sometimes I'll meal prep all this healthy stuff. And, you know, and I like to have quick, easy things that are like really, you know, I can just warm up and and go. And that quinoa salad was actually perfect. Now, I was craving other things, of course, more delicious things. But uh, I did, I did, it was so easy and it was there. So, I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of meal prepping it's like life is so crazy. If you've already thought about it, you are 1000 more times more likely to eat healthy and just, you know, eat in a more nutritional manner than, you know, stopping and grabbing something. I get so stressed out when I have to like think about what I want to have for dinner that night and go out and get it or, you know, cook it that night. And and usually it's, it's, you know, I'm starving by the time I'm thinking about dinner and I'll make an unhealthier choice. So so even though I, you know, and I, I did drink more than I, more alcohol than I typically do, like I very rarely uh, drink during the week, but the holiday season, all bets are off because there's so, so much socializing, there's so many parties and, you know, you're trying to get together with friends you haven't seen in a while or you won't see for a while. And so you want to like celebrate the holiday season. So I had, I'd gotten a a bottle of wine for my friend Charlie and I usually don't like Merlot, but this Merlot was actually really good. And it was just a half a bottle. So it was basically two glasses. And so I'd had one glass, I think over the weekend last week. And then I just had this, like half of this little bottle left. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to let it go to waste. And Monday I stuck to all whole foods, but I did have that glass of wine which was fine. What happens though, is when I do drink alcohol the next day I do. And even if I don't drink a lot, I crave grease. Like I want French fries. I want McDonald's. I want something greasy and satisfying. And the fact that I, and again, the only reason I didn't go for something like that is because I just, I had this quinoa salad that I had made and it's just, again, it was easier. So, um, so I kind of pushed through all of my cravings. I've had really bad cravings this week, but I just kind of pushed through it. And, um, now I did, I did go out to a couple happy hours. So I had that glass of wine on Monday and then Wednesday I went out with a couple of my girlfriends for this, uh, this restaurant we like to go out to called culinary dropout in Tempe. They had this like little holiday pop-up thing in the back and it was so much fun. It was like cute Christmas music and snow coming down from the ceilings. And they had all these holiday themed cocktails. Oh my God. This is the espresso martini. I started with that, which was really good. And I then had this 
it was milky colored. It was like milk colored, and but it was like this minty uh, concoction. It was scrumptious. It was it, you know they they like put the did the rim in crushed candy cane, and um, oh my god, it was so good, so festive. And I met with a couple of my girlfriends I hadn't seen in a little while, and it was just nice to catch up with them and you know wish each other happy holiday season. Uh, and yeah, so we, we did that and then I woke up the next day. So that was Wednesday night. I woke up and we did have, and we did, I did make sure I ate something like I coated my stomach. Like I had, we had these pretzel bites with, you know, cheese fondue, actually like pretzel bites two nights in a row this week. And I love pretzel bites dipped in like melted cheese. Mm, so like beer cheese. So, so, so I'm like addicted to them. Uh, and so I had, we had those pretzel bites and then they ordered these like chips with dip, which I had like one chip, but they're, I think they're overrated. You know, my friend KK loves them, but I'm like, eh, these are okay. I mean, they're chips. And then, so that, that, so that was that night I woke up the next morning. Well, first of all, I got home that night, like around 10, 10 not too late. And I start, I, I had to some work to finish. I finished that work and then I don't know. I, I have to say this because it did add to my emotional. I was just an emotional basket case starting on Thursday I, and, and actually Wednesday night. Like when I got home Wednesday night, I was looking at social media and I saw that that Twitch suicide. And I'm so sorry to mention it here because usually this is pretty lighthearted, but I was so affected by his suicide and, you know, how it must have, you know, how his family must be dealing with it during this holiday time. And for any of you that don't know Twitch, he was this extremely talented man from the Ellen DeGeneres show. He was a, a famous dancer, millions and millions of followers on TikTok and Instagram and just his, his life looked so happy. Like he just exuded what seemed like he exuded joy and happiness and his family, like they have, he's the most beautiful family with these little children. And you see him and his wife dancing together. She's a dancer and they just, it's, it, it just, it looked like a relationship that you, you know, you hold up and you admire. And the reality is we don't ever know what's going on in people's lives. And you know, for anybody out there that's struggling, you know, I, I, I feel for you, you know, I, you know, talk to someone, you know, I kept researching it because apparently, you know, there's, of course, there's some people that struggle with depression and we just never know, right? Like people put on a happy face and, you know, smile, even though on the inside they're dying. And I was like, I was like, was it that? Because there's this other phenomenon that this researcher was talking about where, it's, they call it this like cognitive glitch where people, you know, might face this all of a sudden like hardship or, and pain in their lives. And, and for this very short period of time, there's almost this like mental glitch, which makes them feel like suicide is a, is a valid option and, and a good option. And, and some people in that short duration of time where their cognition is kind of messed up because of the pain they're in, sometimes in that short period of time, they will commit suicide. And, and they might not have been somebody that had suicidal ideations or were, were chronically depressed. It could be just this really difficult short-term time that they're going through. And, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I, and I, you know, I wasn't somebody that followed him. I just, I knew of him and I would, you know, sometimes get sucked into his dances, but I just, 
I was bawling uncontrollably that that night. And of course, it was, you know, some of the alcohol, I'm sure, and some of the cannabis, you know, but, but I don't know. I, I was just, I've been very affected. So Thursday, I carried on into Thursday, like Thursday, I woke up and I was just so sad and so and mentally not well, because I still don't have a, an answer to my arbitration. And, you know, the first couple few days of the week, I was like, oh, I'm going to go with the flow. Like you can't hold on tightly to so hard, Veronica. And, you know, I was able to really just be focused on joy and happiness and this beautiful time of year. And I was shopping and doing all these things. And, and then Thursday, and I was also hung, you know, I woke up Thursday, I was hungover. I was, you know, just emotional. I had so much work to do. Um, and I, and I had to, and I had, had already committed to meeting this, uh, one of my physician partners out for a happy hour that night. And she's, she's the person that might be investing in our company. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss that, but I'm like, I might break into tears. Like while I'm at this, at this at this happy hour. But, um, but I did, I did go and get my hair done the other day and my, I love my hairstylist. He is like so funny. And we just, he, we just gab, 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 gab. So he kind of got me out of my funk a little bit. And by the time I was getting ready to go to the happy hour, I was, I was excited to see my, my, my friend. She's, she's like my physician partner slash potential investor slash friend. I, I really like this woman. Um, you know, she's like another pioneer in the cannabis industry that's gone through so much shit. She had her own debacle. She just got out of a court case and, and won. And that's why she has this money that she might invest in us. But, but, you know, she's gone through, she's gone even through probably even more bullshit in this crazy cannabis industry than, than I have. So, you know, we like to get together and compare notes and commiserate about our struggles and support each other any way that we can. And, you know, we're, we're really good partners. So so anyway, so that was good. That was my second pretzel night bite night. <laughs> and the pretzel bites, though, the first night were delicious. They were super fresh. The pretzel bites at this wine bar were not fresh. I'm like, you know when pretzel bites arrive and like that sometimes you have to eat them right away. Like you don't want the cheese to congeal. You want the freshest, most moist, warm pretzel bite. And it's rude if there's other people at the table because I'm like, I want to eat as many as possible quickly so that they don't get cold. For anybody that listened to my Thanksgiving special, like, you know how I'm anal about things staying warm, especially like bread, like warm pretzel bread that, you know, again, so the first night that I had the pretzel bites this week, they were so fresh that they stayed good for a good duration of time. The, the wine bar pretzel bites were like, eh. I mean, you like as soon as they got the slightest cool, you know, as soon as they cooled down slightly, they were kind of stale. So not cool. But anyway, um, we had hummus and pita. And so, you know, I had a lot of bread to soak up the alcohol. And and again, I had these kind of slightly indulgent nights. But the, the good thing is when I got home, I didn't continue to eat. And as long as I don't continue to like, you know, shove food down my throat when I'm not even hungry, like. And and again, I had work to do when I got home. One night I was just very emotional. So, you know, it kept me from continuing to eat meat, 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 meat. So, yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty light, even though I've also, you know, I've, I've had good balance, I feel, this week. And so today I am packing. I'm getting ready to go to the East Coast. I fly out. I have to head to the airport at 3 a.m. in the morning. Actually, no, like, well, yeah, like 4 a.m., and hopefully I make it home because there's a huge blizzard on the East Coast right now. And um, like this is a Friday that I'm taping this. So I'm supposed to leave tomorrow on a Saturday. 
and hopefully I don't spend the night in the airport, <clears throat> knock on wood. So, so yeah, so that's that. And I'm just, I'm really excited to get home on Sunday. We have a brunch uh, with my mom and my sister and my little brother. And there's this uh, event that my sister's running after that's supposed to be, I don't know, this like cherry orchard, these people that run this cherry orchard. And then they make all kinds of like art and artistic things out of the cherry and, and the wood and things that come from the cherry orchard. So I don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but it sounds like a really fun, interesting event. My brother has cherry trees, so he's really interested. So oh, I can't wait to see my family and, you know, it's going to be freezing, but it's freezing here in Phoenix right now. So I'm just looking forward to hanging out in front of the fire and eating my mom's home cooking and we'll go to a bunch of delicious restaurants. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, follow me at the diet obsessed podcast. I will be posting all of this. Follow me at veronica.santorelli. Uh, and I'll be posting all kinds of, you know, fun family times and holiday times. And this is, this is my favorite time of year. So I'm really excited about it. All right. So that is my personal recap. And now let's get into the interview with Amelia. And she is at Hellshift by Amelia on Instagram. Go give her a follow. She's super sweet. She has a beautiful accent that you will be hearing momentarily. All right, let's get into the episode. So today I wanted to discuss the topic of weight loss in healthcare. And, you know, I touched on this topic very briefly in the past. I know, you know, I've had, you know, some weight loss clients in the past when I was in the weight loss industry that were nurses. And so I, I just think that this is a really interesting topic. And I have a special guest. Uh, I don't do a lot of interviews, but I do have a special guest by the name of Amelia Shippy. Am I pronouncing your last name right? Okay, great. Yeah, that's right. Okay, perfect. And Amelia, uh, just to give you a little background on her, she's recently started a company called Health Shift by Amelia. And Amelia has a background in acute nursing and eight years of experience working in the National Health Service in the UK. Uh, she started Health Shift in 2021 as a certified nutrition coach, and she's helped dozens of busy healthcare workers lose weight and maintain balance. Uh, maintain healthy and balanced lifestyles without dieting or restriction. That way they can be in control of their health and the lifestyle and feel great while they're doing it. She recently moved to from Scotland, UK to Vancouver, British Columbia with her husband, Tom and her cat, Cece. She's a foodie and loves cooking and baking in her free time, as well as walking, hiking and exploring the outdoors. So welcome, Amelia. Thank you so much for having me, Veronica. Absolutely. Thank you for reaching out. So Amelia DM'd me on Instagram, which is how we got introduced. So I'm so glad you reached out. So how are you doing today? Yeah, good. Thank you. Good. Yeah, it's really exciting. This is the first uh, podcast I've been on, actually. So it's, yeah, it's just super nice to be able to like, connect with like minded people and just talk about the subject that we're both obviously very passionate about. Um and yeah, just like get into, get into it. So, yeah. So I, I wanted to start by just, cause I was curious when I was reading your bio, you know, you're talking about how you're a foodie and of course I'm also food obsessed. So, uh, so I was curious, like how, how is it living? Well, first of all, how is it living in British Columbia as opposed to the UK? Cause I've actually never been to either. Um, what's it like living in, in Vancouver now? 
Yeah, so it's been very busy. We've we've only just moved into our new place. We've stayed in Airbnbs until we like got sorted. So our lifestyle and our daily routines were all over the place. It was just chaotic. Um, but it was fun, you know, it was it's an adventure. So yeah, um very different. It's very different living here versus when we were living in Scotland. But you start to when you live in different places, you start to kind of pick out this like the familiarities and the similarities. There's also a lot of um a lot of people, like international people here. So you do very much feel at home and you know you're not like these aliens walking around it's like there's lots of British you know like Scottish Irish um and then people from all over the world as well so it's kind of like we're all in it together um and yeah everyone's been super super friendly so far and being near the mountains and the outdoors and stuff it's just this this is why we came you know we're we're super outdoorsy people Scotland was amazing as well for hiking mountain biking everything like that um but like the weather is just a little bit more predictable here super rainy at the moment actually like the rainy season has just started Mm -hmm. um but that's fine because we're used to it but I mean soon we're really excited to get the snow and be able to go out onto the mountains on our snowboards and stuff so yeah I think yeah just super outdoorsy yeah and what about the food what's the food like there compared to the UK because I know that like I know that when I because I've been on into Canada but more on the east coast uh, like Toronto and Quebec and so what's the food like there I know on the east coast like poutine is very popular which is kind of a heavier dish but delicious Uh, are there what's the food like as opposed to the UK yeah it's you know in some ways it's very similar it's kind of like you know yeah a lots of lots of heavy food and especially in the UK recently as well it's, it's gotten a little bit more on the unhealthier side as the years have gone on um you know the UK isn't necessarily known for its healthy food anyway you know the fish and chips and all that kind of stuff but um yeah over here yeah you've got the poutine and then you've got yeah lots of um lot like so many restaurants like any cuisine you can imagine it's just there on your doorstep lots of sushi um and I mean loads of like health food cafes that kind of stuff which is what I'm all about um but then yeah I mean it's very easy just like a lot of western countries to get like you know takeout and um like DoorDash I don't know if you have that but it's like yeah the, the Uber Eats the kind of yeah um do you so it's do you find that you're mainly cooking though are you do you cook yeah I mean so we we're used to cooking um so we very much like that's our priority like we go to the supermarket get a bunch of food like make like cook from scratch mm-hmm. um and we enjoy doing that and but yeah it, we feel like it's it's easier to go and eat out in restaurants and do takeout and you know I got a little part-time evening job in a restaurant actually um alongside my coaching and things and working there you know getting discount and you know that's super fun and it, it's a good way to meet people and and socialize and get to know the community and what they eat um but yeah, it's it's different. Even getting supermarket, you know, like getting a getting a supermarket shop, it's you you begin to realize right what the normal staples are mm-hmm. um, versus what we would have reached for at home. And yeah, it's been really interesting. But um, we we definitely still make the majority of our food. 
So what's an example, so what's a dish that you make that's really healthy and nutrient dense? And then what's a dish that you like to make that's really indulgent? Yeah, like it's a mix. Like the other day, for example, we made chili con carne, which is one of our go-tos, especially this time of year where it's like all fall, autumnal, you know, really warming. Um, but there's ways that I make something like chili con carne a little bit more healthy as well. So I make sure to put a lot of like legumes and things like lentils and beans into it. So it's less kind of meat and fatty dense and then more you've got more of those plant proteins and more of that um that fiber going through it as well and then you can pair it with things like um instead of just your white rice you've got like long grain rice like wild rice plenty of fiber um interesting textures and stuff and then on the side we do instead of sour cream we'll do like a greek yogurt and so having a dollop of that which is super creamy delicious but it's also kind of sour because it's just plain yogurt um plenty of chopped up herbs like cilantro and you know whatever salad you have lying around fresh tomatoes like there's plenty of ways you can make something like chili con carne really balanced and nutritious as well so that's for example just one of the staples that we go to at this time of year um and it's great for leftovers too that's you don't have to constantly be like, what are, what are we cooking tonight? You know, it's like, okay, we've got leftover chili. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have stuff. I find when I'm trying to eat healthy, it's, it's, oh, it's so much easier if something's already prepared because it needs to be easy. If I'm starving and then I have to like chop a ton of vegetables, it's, it's just, I, I right. tend to go for something processed because it's there and it's easy. But if I've done the the meal prepping, I find I'm able to stay you know, in a more new eating more nutritionally than I might otherwise. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and to touch on that as well, like when you're chopping up your peppers and your veg, doing a whole bunch of them at once and then just freezing the chopped veg. So we have like in our, in our freezer, we've just got like a Ziploc bag of chopped peppers and chopped onions and stuff. So that the next time, you know, we're thinking, oh gosh, we're in a bit of a, in a pickle like what do we make we can just go straight into the freezer and there's the, the fresh chopped veg just ready and prepped um so you're doing all the work just once instead of multiple times a week which is also really handy so does your husband cook as well or is it just mainly you he does no he's really good he has a few uh staple um meals that he's really really good at so it's really handy when I haven't had a chance to go out to the supermarket or I haven't had a chance to come and you know do all the prep it's like right I need you to step up (laughs) and and take your turn you know um so he'll do that he'll do yeah um he loves Mexicans anything Mexican like he'll love fajitas um, whether that's like chicken fajitas or just veggie ones where we just like miss out the meat and just do the the veg and the peppers and, and stuff like that that's a go-to uh, of his yeah that's good yeah my boyfriend cooks too but he puts so much salt I mean I thought I use my family used to make fun of me because I use a lot of salt but when I saw the amount of salt my boyfriend uses I'm like oh my god I am a lightweight here so, but it, it does, <laughs> most of the food he, he, he cooks tastes good. He's just, I'm like, can you go a little bit lighter on the salt on mine? Actually, one I of the know. first parties we ever went to, one of his friends came up and the first thing she said to him was like, do you remember when you ruined my guacamole last year by pouring like, <laughs> <a whole?" laughs> so she like 
salted this party's like entire guacamole to his taste and nobody else could eat it because it was so salty. So it's, it is, it is nice when your partner is, you know, healthy as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm still working on my partner, but it sounds like, it sounds like your husband is, is pretty, uh, healthy is that is that right or is, is he yeah I think you know what I think if he was left to his own devices it would be yeah it wouldn't be so balanced I think we're a good <laughs> like I'm a good influence on him and then he's also good influence on me because he's there holding me accountable too so I'm thinking when I'm making meals like it's got to be you know there's got to be enough protein in there because he's really sporty and um he'll need like a ton more food than me for example so I'm always kind of thinking right it's got to be balanced it's got to be this because his needs are this and my needs are this whereas I think yeah if it was if it was uh just him he'd be like right pizza again that's fine (laughs) you know but that's you know it is what it is (laughs) yeah okay great so let's kind of get into what we what we wanted to talk about which is more healthcare focused and and how kind of weight loss uh and shift work these long shifts that people work so you come from a nursing background so you've completely left the nursing world is that right yeah so it's a little bit of a long story I'm not going to bore you with it but I was hoping to be able to still practice in Canada Um, but the paperwork side of things is just taking super long so it might be something that I'll do at some point but right now I'm using this opportunity as a chance to yeah take a take a step back concentrate on the coaching that I'm doing um yeah getting integrated into our new community and just enjoying myself a little bit um until we get really settled um so yeah I'm but yeah I've most recently been working as a nurse that yeah that's what I was doing pretty much full-time in the UK um alongside doing my coaching as well and what got you into nursing initially yeah that was a good question so I have always wanted like my job has always been centered around helping other people um I was a nanny at some point uh, at one point so I was helping you know kids and their families um I've also worked as a server a lot so it's you know very much serving other people helping other people you know um I've always kind of had that kind of host mentality like I've always liked looking after people and their needs and when um when me and Tom first got together he had a hospital appointment he needed some minor surgery and I looked after him after that and you know gave him the blood thinning injections and stuff and and gave him his his meds and whatever and um it kind of made me think huh like maybe I could do this professionally so I kind of looked into it and ended up going back to school to do my sciences and went down the whole nursing path um and that was super super interesting and I really really enjoyed it um and yeah I like looking after people I like kind of being able to positively influence their health um and you know I was looking after people who had already had the cancer who already had the cardiovascular disease you know it was looking after them on the other end of the scale uh where it was like yeah very much kind of not prevention it was rather the cure right and then I as the years went on I was thinking what a shame that these people haven't had the chance necessarily to prevent this before it happened so I kind of went into the whole what if I was to help people prevent get getting into that spot in the first place and sometimes obviously you can't control things there's genetics that are involved 
it's not all about your diet and lifestyle. Sometimes you're just dealt a really unlucky hand. Um, however, if there was a chance that you could improve your life, like what would it look like for someone to get that support and that education? Um, so I kind of thought, well, I'm looking after these really sick people, but I kind of want to be upstream. Um, so that's kind of how the nursing kind of evolved into the coaching. Yeah. Um, no, I love that. Yeah. because, And I don't know if you listened to my first podcast that I ever did, but that's one of the things that makes me passionate about this topic is my dad was really sick. And mm-hmm. I wish that he had had someone that was able, I mean, I tried to, to motivate him to make healthy changes in his life before he got to hospice basically, you know, and, and if he had, right, if he had made even small changes, his, he would have lived 20 extra years, you know, he wouldn't have had such a horrible end of life. So I do think that that's a really unique perspective when you're actually there working around sick people and you're like, a lot of this can be prevented. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's really um, just a a really interesting way to look at things. And so, and they don't, do they teach you nutrition at all in nursing school? They don't really go into it in the depth that it would really make an impact to be honest. Like, and to be honest, when you're, when you're in hospital, the whole nutrition conversation is all about, you know, people who, that have had surgery and they don't have an appetite at all, or people who are really, really like physically vomiting and sick that they, they need like just a really high calorie um, drink just so that they can get their daily calories, but without having to eat a lot of stuff. Right. So it's a very different perspective at, you know, what it means to be, to have nutrition because someone who's starving, right. You know, having, giving them, you know, um, you know, some candy to, to eat, rather than, you know, a nice balanced salad, like the candy is going to do better because it's going to give them that kind of energy and those calories, even though we think that, oh, that wouldn't be a healthy choice. It's like, well, if it's a matter of starving or not starving because your blood sugar is so low, then obviously like you've got to deal with these situations. So it's a very different kind of perspective. Um, And they do touch on, you know, how to prevent cardiovascular disease in the future. Like, you know, these are the things that you should be encouraging your patients to do and um yeah whether it's you know taking exercise and limiting alcohol like quitting smoking like all those kind of lifestyle interventions they focus on those um and less so kind of the really nitty-gritty into nutrition so that that part of it I felt like I was really lacking um and I did a postgrad I went back and did an online um master's program in postgrad uh, clinical nutrition so that's how I've kind of linked my foundational knowledge from nursing with the kind of more in-depth um, nutrition science evidence-based knowledge mm-hmm. and paired them both together so I've got the holistic side and the, you know the science facts-based side as well Sure. So, so with your clients, do you find that you're working with more, um, you know, people that have developed chronic health conditions that need to kind of help reversing some of the stuff and, and getting more, um, balance into their lives? Or are you finding that you're 
focusing more on actual healthcare workers? Like what, cause it sounds like, cause one of my questions was going to be like, what did you see when you were in the healthcare space that made you want to go into this field? And I think it was interesting what you just shared with, you're seeing these really sick people and, and can I get in there before that happens? Right. But then there's the side of like the actual healthcare workers themselves and how you might think that some of those healthcare workers are the healthiest, but sometimes when we're caring for others, we're actually putting our health last. So, you know, what are you, what are you seeing? What kind of clients are you getting? And, you know, what does that look like? Are you focused more on the healthcare worker or the actual people that are, you know, kind of the patients? Yeah. So that's a really interesting, interesting question. And um, it was, yeah, because I, I originally thought I, I want to help people who have chronic conditions, the kind of people that are seeing their GP and saying, look, I've got a history of heart disease and I'm, I know I'm gaining weight. You know, can you help? And the GP, because they're under time constraints, because they have the lack of the holistic you know, support, they're unable to kind of give these people these um, solutions. So I was thinking I would be more helping those yeah, patients. However, um, working in the hospital and having gone through my own kind of health struggles and figured things out myself, I was actually at a point where I was bringing in healthy meals for myself. I was working out on my days off. I was, I had a fairly healthy and balanced life and people were coming to me, like my colleagues were coming to me and actually asking, what do you do, Amelia? Like, what's your secret? How do you stay healthy? How do you stay motivated? You're always bringing in healthy meals. I want to be able to do that too. And I was thinking there's a pattern here where there's, there are these healthcare providers, you know, these healthcare workers who want to be a good influence on their families, their friends, they want a healthy life themselves, they maybe want to lose a bit of weight. And then their patients are also kind of looking to them for support. And they're feeling like, oh, well, my life's a bit of a mess. So how could I be a positive influence on my patient? So there was a few different, a few different kind of angles there. And I thought, if I can help that, you know, let's just say the nurse, I mean, I like to think of myself as you know, the nurse who looks after nurses, it's like, well, who's looking after the nurses, right? There's got to be someone who is supporting them. So yeah, so that's where I kind of thought, wow, there's like a group of people here whose passion it is to empower people in healthy lifestyles and help them get better after they've been in hospital, but at their own suffering, do you know what I mean? They're kind of sacrificing their time, their health, you know, hardly getting any water on shift and not being able to eat a proper meal and all those things or skipping their meal breaks altogether because they're so busy and short staffed, right? So there's these problems that are impacting on their health. Um, and over time, it's becoming this kind of problem that keeps kind of snowballing. Mm-hmm. So if I could get in there and stop that, then it's only going to have a positive influence on the patients. Yes, eventually, because you're going to have a healthier workforce but then also just to empower these healthcare workers who work really bloody hard, um, who who need to catch a break. So, yeah, yeah, because I would imagine that um, you know, because I have a, I have a few friends in healthcare, and like I mentioned, a lot of my former weight loss clients when I was in the weight loss industry were nurses who had gained a lot of weight, and they would they would share with me that you know because they're in scrubs you know, they don't have their clothes are so loose fitting and so comfortable that, you know, sometimes when, when our clothes start getting tight, that's always like this, 
signal that, oh, I need to start looking at how I'm eating and the choices that I'm making. And, but with nurses, a lot of the times they've got all that forgiving clothing. And so it's easy to sometimes overlook some of those signs. I know that my dad, for example, brought the nurses donuts when we were born and, you know, and people want to, you know, bring nurses stuff. And there's all these pharmaceutical reps that are trying to sell things and they're bringing in all these catered meals and, and I would imagine that, you know, when you're in this stressful environment and you're, you've got, you're literally saving lives that, you know, that candy or that donut, it's just nice to, it's like comfort, right? So, and, and, and I don't know. And I know that there's the whole idea that, um, you know, I don't know. We used to see, we used to think in the weight loss industry that if you waited too long between meals and you let your body go into the starvation mode, that that then when you're eating all these really heavy fattening things, that it would just store the fat. I know a little bit of that's been debunked with the whole like fasting thing, but um, but I don't know. I mean, I think when when you let yourself get that hungry too, you do want those quick, satisfying carbs and fat that taste delicious and give you that immediate, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're immediately satiated versus, you know, just like a piece of chicken or something. So do you find that because of the clothing and the stress? Like, what are some of the factors that you see that are aiding to this issue specifically with nurses? Yeah. So that is, that is key really, because there are so many pieces that equate to, um, unhealthy choices being the easiest. So first of all, you've got the environment. So like you said, um, you know, the clothes that you wear are kind of, yeah, they tend to be on the comfier side and then a little bit more forgiving. And then you've also got the, um, you know, the colleagues bringing in treats and then the patients giving you treats. And then there's, they're always like everywhere you look, there seems to be a treat. And even someone who's trying to be healthier, or they're on a diet or that, you know, they're trying to limit the amount of kind of junk they're having. You sit down on your break and you get out your, you get out your chicken salad that you've prepared lovingly at home for yourself. And then, but you're surrounded by donuts. or you're surrounded by some pizza or something that someone's ordered. And you're like, okay, well, everything's working against me here. So <laughs> with the best intentions, it's the, the temptation is still there. And that's just one of the one of the factors and then the fact that yes you're stressed you're tired you're um you only have like 10 minutes to get something you know down your throat basically on your on your lunch break means that you're more likely to turn to yeah a quick microwave meal or to get some chips from the canteen or to sorry fries (laughs) fries from the canteen or to you know get something super quick and easy rather than take the time to prepare your salad or get it out the fridge or prepare it at home and then bring it in and put those extra steps behind it um but yeah there's a few different factors involved and one of the huge things as well is people who work night shifts and you're so sleep deprived because you're up all night so first of all you don't you're a little bit confused as to what you eat during your shift when you're up all night because your body is giving you different cues and you're feeling different sensations and you're eating because you know you need the fuel to get you through and because you need the energy to keep you awake and alert because you're dealing with you know you're you know you're you're doing um drug calculations you're doing really important stuff like dealing with equipment you need to be alert so keeping yourself fueled is key however it can really kind of confuse your body and therefore confuse yeah your signals and your your hunger and your um fullness um 
and then getting enough not getting enough sleep as well impacts your um the chemicals that regulate your hunger and fullness as well so it's kind of these two things that are just working against you and um, when you're working shifts especially on night shifts so I mean sleep is one of those really underrated things it's like if you work shifts you've got to commit to sleeping during the day um if you're working at night um and then making sure that yeah you're you're committing to a, a set bedtime and a wake-up time um in between shifts so that you know that your sleep's going to be regulated because that really really helps um you know it influences your weight weight gain weight loss like whatever it is you're aiming for getting the right sleep is really not spoken about often enough yeah, the, I was just listening to another podcast that was talking about exactly that. And they were talking about one of the problems with intuitive eating is that when people are in a situation where they their body signals are off because of exactly that, they, they're they not getting enough sleep and their hormones are, you know, dysregulated. And so they're getting these weird signals that might not actually be you know, what their body is truly telling them. It could just be, you know, a dysregulation of hormones or something like that based on lack of sleep. So, um, and, and I, what do you think of the whole intuitive eating movement? Yeah, it's really interesting. So, I mean, I read the book intuitive eating by, um, I, I don't, I, forgive me the pronunciation, but I think it's Triobel and Reich. Okay. I think the two authors and they are both registered dietitians. Um, who are they the ones the that book. started it? I believe so, or maybe their take on it is more evidence-based and kind of research-backed. I mean, lots of people use the term intuitive eating, um, and I think it has a few different meanings, but these two dietitians, especially, I think really kind of, yeah, brought it home and made it its own thing. And so I read that book and I take, I took so much away from it. Um, Having already been on my kind of health journey, I read it kind of after I'd gotten over all my kind of food and body hang-ups that happened you know in my early to late teens um and it's a concept that I I really admire in terms of not having to abide by kind of food rules and diet rules and diet mentality and um that's kind of one of the reasons I reached out to you was because you're kind of like challenging the narrative a little bit with you know um diet culture and what all these things are telling us and debunking myths and things so um yeah it's funny though because you have to take it with a pinch of salt don't you because it's like intuitive eating there there really is no right and wrong it's kind of like going with your instincts um even if you know you go on a binge it's like it's being able to tell yourself that's okay and instead of berating myself about it I'm just going to collect that data and think, okay, well, that was interesting. I wonder what led to that binge that time. And then the next time you're presented with that um, scenario, which you might go on a binge, it's like you you have that chance to catch yourself and just question and think, okay, well, what could I do differently to, you know, stop myself from, you know, going mad this time, you know? Right. No. And I, I, when I first heard the word intuitive eating, it it did make a lot of sense to me. And I think a lot of the concepts are really good in terms of exactly what you just said. I think what I was a little bit confused on is, is when I heard, uh, I thought it was the woman that did 
coined the term and, and maybe she's one of the, I think there's a few mm. different people that are, you know, kind of the starters mm. of this. And she was saying that she was saying that you can't want to lose weight on with intuitive eating. She, she said something to the effect of if you want to lose weight in general, that society's diet culture, kind of all that stuff in your head, that's making you feel like you want to lose weight. And that was the one, that was the one takeaway I took from that dialogue I heard on a podcast where I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. Cause I know I, I kind of think I'm a little bit of an intuitive eater but because I kind of do what I want, but I also intuitively sometimes feel like, oh, I need to like cut back because I feel like I'm gaining too much weight. But I, I want to intuitively cut back because I want to feel comfortable in my own skin. But how much of that is diet culture and society and like I should still be this weight and not have a bulge here? I don't know. That's that's where I kind of get in my head. And I'm like, is that diet culture? Is that intuitive eating? You know? Yeah. And I think. For people like me and you who are really in tune with our ourselves and we kind of like not question everything, but we kind of we're aware that there's something behind everything we do, right? Whether it's doing it just because we want to and it feels right or because it's like, oh, maybe I was influenced by that advertising that I saw or that film with that that actress or that model that I really admire and I want to be like. And yeah, it's it's kind of like yeah and and I agree in terms of intuitive like you don't you don't lose weight and think okay how am I going to do that I'm going to do I'm going to try the intuitive eating method like right I think it's it's not designed as a way to lose weight however if you are practicing intuitive eating and you've healed your relationship with yourself and your body it can be one of those kind of happy coincidences that happen along the line but shouldn't be guaranteed or expected from intuitive eating Okay. That makes sense. And yeah. yeah, I think it's like, yeah, intuitive eating is kind of like getting, it's getting rid of all the rules, throwing out the rule book and just figuring out what you truly need but mm. in terms of satisfaction as well as fuel. So yeah. finding that balance between like, I'm going to have a donut because it tastes amazing. And I'm going to celebrate the fact that we can have these treats and it's not going to be you know the, the 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 reason why I gain a load of weight it's just because I'm going to enjoy it and I have an active lifestyle therefore my body will process it because it knows how to and all that yeah um yeah but it is an interesting one and I could talk I could talk for hours about <laughs> that whole <laughs> subject yeah I do think that that's a it's well put um so so can you talk a little bit you mentioned your health struggles that you had early on can you just talk to the audience maybe a little bit about what that means and what you kind of went through and what you discovered through kind of through that struggle and overcoming it yeah absolutely so this whole started you know my whole fascination with health and weight loss and what what all that kind of means it started in my kind of mid-teens and I got diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome um and yeah because I I went to my family doctor and said I wasn't having periods and I think I should be having periods by this time and so she took me for the scan she took me for the blood test and yeah there was cysts on my ovaries and I have polycystic ovaries but then being a teen and being surrounded by you know your friends are dieting and your other friends are obsessed with being skinny and that kind of that's very present when you're you know in the high school kind of environment um that kind of led 
down a dark path into a bit of body dysmorphia and a, a bit of kind of yeah obsessive dieting and compulsive working out and trying to control things and I thought oh my gosh you know I, I need to cure myself of this PCOS because everything was telling me including my doctor look you can't cure it once you've got it you've just got to prevent yourself from getting overweight you've got to live, live a healthy lifestyle you know all this stuff so that kind of was spinning around in my head and yeah it led to the disordered eating and really restricting and trying to be as small as I could so that I could prevent weight gain and prevent because there's this huge like oh if you've got polycystic ovaries PCOS you're so much more likely to develop diabetes when you're older and you're so much more likely to be able to be uh to to be infertile all these scary things that I'm thinking you know um as a young woman and I'm thinking right I want to prevent that I want to be in control so so yeah it, it was it was confusing and because there was a lack of information and support um unfortunately I just went to the internet and like you know diet books and all that kind of stuff um but then it eventually led to educating myself through the right ways so yeah going to school getting my nursing degree I had the the foundation science that I needed and I could finally understand some of these things that were happening in my body with the hormones with you know what healthy eating should look like and then um going getting my postgrad in clinical nutrition again more facts more evidence base you know getting my um sources of, of information from you know proper sources um and then developing a better relationship with my with myself and my body having a stable like being in a, in a stable relationship as well helped um you know everything kind of evened out and then so on with the education and research that led to a bit of self-discovery it led to an improved relationship with food and body and then kind of compiling everything that worked um alongside the evidence-based research and the knowledge um kind of led me to being like okay I'm at a point where I figured out my own struggles I've gotten over it I've been on this journey and now that I know that there's other people dealing with you know their own their own health um journey and weight loss and everything like that I really think that I'm in a position to help others because I know how tricky it is um, to navigate. And especially if you're in a situation like working long shifts, working nights, everything's so erratic. It's even more difficult. You know, it's not like you work a nine to five and your life's predictable. It's like you're working the most difficult job there is. So of course it's going to be a struggle. Like everything seems to be working against you. So I've, yeah, from figuring out everything myself from scratch, um, but then also coupling that with the knowledge and getting the right education, I feel like I've got the right kind of recipe to, to help others. And that kind of is how the evolution has gone really. Yeah, that's great. It is, it is interesting how much we're influenced in our teens and in our, you know, young adult lives by whether it's comments from family, which it was in my case or, mm. um, other classmates or, you know, the media and I mean, obviously in the UK, I mean, 
is I think that's where Kate Moss is from anyway. Isn't she, isn't she from the UK? I mean, right. We yeah, always yeah. use the example of Kate Moss as like that heroin chic look that we all were like, oh, we're expected to look like this supermodel. That's like, a, you know, anorexic. I mean, she's not anorexic, but you know what I mean? It's, it was, you know, right. the supermodel look was held up. And I, th- I think I'm probably, I don't know how old you are, but I'm probably like a decade, maybe older than you, but I feel like, I don't know, you're like, that whole realm. And I, and I'm, and I don't know what today's world is like for, are you, are you a millennial millennial? Is that what? Oh fall? man. What's all the millennial Gen Z Gen X? You Gen I, Z? I don't, I forget. I I'm 93. So yeah, I turn 30 next year. Okay. Um, I don't know where that puts me in terms of millennial or. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but I, cause I feel like there's definitely more of an awareness of body positivity and acceptance. And I, I love that, but I've also heard on the other hand that there, because of social media, that there's a real struggle in, and now that I, I hear warnings, I actually was listening to the radio the other day and they actually gave a warning that social media can cause suicidal ideation and anorexia mm-hmm. and eating disorders and all this. I'm like, Oh my God, they're actually giving warnings about social media now. So, so I don't know if it's gotten better or it's gotten worse, or there's maybe just more awareness, but mm-hmm. what do you see? Do you, what, what, who are some of the clients that you work with? What is their age range? What is, are they, are they all shift workers or do you have young and older clients yeah yeah um so I just want to touch on firstly that I mean the whole Kate Moss thing was 100% like I had posters of her like you know like clippings from magazines in my bedroom and that was very much one of the things I was like right I need to be this she's she's everything she's fit she's sexy she's you know edgy she's everything I want to be in a teenager you know it was like so influential so that's definitely one thing that was you know a huge part of the problem really um but then yeah also social media was I mean it though I used to watch YouTube videos even of people who who would put up like okay well this is how many calories you should eat in the day just so that you can survive so that you can lose weight so you can be as skinny as possible like really toxic stuff and I was watching these like oh okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'll do that I'll do that honestly and it's 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 insane because you think you've discovered the secret um and it's like yeah of course your mum's saying that that's not the right way to to go but what does she know because she doesn't have the same desires as you and you're thinking oh I found the secret to and it's just insane and so horrible to think back that I used to really you know eat that stuff up um but but yeah so clients I feel like the clients they get the best kind of results are ones that really feel like they're in they're in the same kind of age range as me so I kind of say that you know if you are you know kind of early 20s to to mid 30s that's the ideal that's the ideal kind of age range because we can really relate to each other right um and I've had I've had yeah like early early 20s just kind of left university they've just got their first job in nursing and they're struggling already and they're, they're, they're finding it's really difficult. And being a student was difficult, but now that they're like on the floor and they have a full caseload and they're trying to manage their own time and everything, it's just, it's really, it's really bad. And they want to kind of get into the good habits before they see themselves kind of get worse and worse and worse. So I've had clients like that. I've also had clients kind of in their mid thirties who have young children and they want to be, 
um, they want to set good examples for their for their family and they don't want their young daughter to see mummy always on a diet and they want to see mummy enjoy treats but then also enjoy going out for a walk and then having that right balance and so I think it's important to note that everybody has their own motivating factors for wanting to improve their health and lifestyle and whether it, it, it might not even be for weight loss you know like some people are like you know what I've given up on the fact that I'm going to lose weight this is how my family is it's in the genetics and thank goodness we live in a culture now that it's more accepting um, of larger bodies and people of all sorts of shapes and sizes so people can truly be happy and not feel that they're always chasing this weight loss goal but and I, I want to kind of go back on what you said a little while a while back with the intuitive eating which is it's kind of taking away this like if you want to lose weight then that means you can't intuitively eat and it's like no you're allowed you can take ownership of your body and you're allowed to say I would like to lose weight please it doesn't have to be toxic it doesn't have to be you know like you're following diet culture it's something if you want to do it you can and I'm talking you know I'm not talking like lose you know like 20 pounds in a week or something ridiculous I'm talking about if you want to lose a steady sustainable amount of weight there's definitely a way to do that and you should be empowered and supported if that's what you want to do. So yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had a whole range of clients who've had loads of motivating factors and some of them come to me even and say, look, I don't really want to lose weight. I just want to feel good in my body. I just want to feel good in my own skin. I want to know that I've got a system in place that makes me feel empowered in control and that I've got the right balance. Yeah. I you know, think that's really, so, I know I, mm-hmm. I especially really like the, the, wanting to set a good example for their children, you know, because I know that a lot of us take like cues from what we see our parents do. So if they're calling themselves fat in the mirror, then the child is going to be, well, well, am I fat too? Like I, what what should I do? So I really love that. And, and it sounds like you personalize it for your clients, right? So, because that's also just like everything we're now knowing, Oh, well, you know, it's not a one size fits all for pharmaceuticals, for example, you know, like the, with the opioid crisis and this behavioral uh, drug problem that we're having. And it's like, everything's just take a pill, take a pill, take a pill. And, but it's really like, that's not going to work for everybody. Right. And I think everybody is so different and what will fit into their lifestyles is so different. And so I think that that really translates across nutrition and fitness. And so do you talk to your clients about just nutrition or do you also try to get, get work fitness in, or how does, how does that break down between those two things? Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Every, every client that I have is, is on a different journey and therefore they need a different approach. And I, my, my, my method is tailored around um, the five, these five pillars. Okay. So I cover nutrition. So anything to do with nutrition, eating a balanced plate. um, Yeah. Food, anything food related. There's also the second pillar is exercise. So anything to do with physical activity, moving your body, whether that's in the gym or whether that's just walking to work, anything to do with movement um, and exercise. The third thing is self-care. So it's being able to, especially when you're so burnt out and busy at work, it's being able to recognize that taking time for yourself and actually not doing anything. So having a, having a day or an afternoon um, at home to just, that's just you time right? It's really precious that we have our self-care. Um, so it's being able to carve out 
you know, snippets of self-care regularly so that you don't constantly feel like you're on this hamster wheel of eating well and exercising, eating well and exercising, and then you're, you know, inevitably going to fall off at some point. It's about giving yourself that, um, that permission to, to have that self-care. And um, the fourth thing is scheduling. So working shifts, especially the schedules are all over the place. You'd never know when you're going to be working. Um, you might be working weekends, you might be working nights, you might be working early mornings. It, it's always changing. So it's being able to carve out that routine when your schedule is just looking like a mess and you are constantly coming up with, I don't have time. I don't, that doesn't wash with me. Like everybody has the time. It's just, if you're going to prioritize doing the things that you should be. So that's where I help people kind of realize that, oh, I have 10 minutes here. So I can spend that time, for example, meal prepping or going to the grocery store to get um, plenty of veggies for the upcoming week. Or, you know, if it's 20 minutes that I can go and, you know, walk to, to town and do my errands instead of taking the car or something like that. You know, those are very basic examples, but it's kind of, yeah, helping to realize your schedule um, is really the key to shaping everything. <clears throat> and then the fifth and final thing is the mindset. So there's a lot to do with your frame of mind and your motivating factors. Um, so yeah, some people naturally just have a really positive mindset. I had this lovely client and we didn't have to do any mindset work because she was just so positive. She came to all the calls. She was, she was always, you know, ticking off the, the you know, the goals that we had set for her. Um, she just needed a bit of extra support in the other things, you know, so, but then some people will, you know, it'll kind of lead them to think, oh, maybe, maybe I'm mentally struggling more than I thought, and I need to go and see a, a health professional about this, you know, a mental health professional or something. So it's just being able to signpost and check in and see, because your mindset kind of rules a lot that we do in the real world, you know, so it's not all about taking action. It's sometimes kind of looking inward. Um, and fixing your mindset before we approach anything else, especially if you've got a skewed attitude towards food and dieting. Mm -hmm. Some people need to just kind of like not focus on that first. Sure. Um, but yeah, so that's like the five pillars. And then, like I say, everybody, you know, has more of an influence on nutrition than self-care than self than scheduling you know so I kind of through the consultation and over the weeks that we work together we figure out what pieces need addressing the most and then we make goals off of the back of that I love that I really love mm. that approach the mindset I can I can understand that and the way you kind of break it down is really interesting um, because it is it is true all of those pillars allow for you know a fully realized healthy life so right yeah very holistic that's what I'm all about <laughs> um do you want to share any success stories or um you know is there a client that you know and obviously you don't want to name but by name but mm -hmm. uh anyone that you're really proud of the work that you did that you want to kind of share yeah I mean um most most recently, actually, I, I I posted on my Instagram, um, I think yesterday, actually, and I got, I'm always getting replies from past clients. Um, and they're kind of prompted by me posting on my stories or whatever. And they're commenting being like, yes, like, I did this. Like, so I think the, the key thing is, 
with my clients, they're constantly getting in touch after the fact, like after we've worked together, they're saying, I'm still doing it. I'm still using my, you know, they call it my toolkit. Uh, well, a couple of my clients I worked with, they were like, I've got a toolkit that I use and I bring it out every time I'm in this situation or, you know, so it's like just proof that they're continuing their journey in one way or another. And it's, it's never going to look perfect because that's not what it's all about. It's about doing the best you can. And hearing from this client that got in touch yesterday she was like yes I I'm in the middle of doing night shifts but I still went and did my cardio session and I'm really enjoying it um and then this same client actually um went and did like there's a there's a scheme in the UK called the couch to 5k so it's like every day you do a little bit of jogging until you build up to a 5k and she she did really well doing that as well with you know we could check in every week and see okay well how are you getting on and uh, so she managed to do that but then it started raining so she got into like swimming like indoor swimming and it's just kind of like it's kind of snowballed in a positive way you know like you just open some doors for some people and they just take it and, and run and, and really really go with it so that's the person that's on my mind because she got in touch uh, yesterday but um, yeah, I mean, she lost weight. She was feeling better in her clothes. She was looking in the mirror and feeling and looking more toned. Mm-hmm. Um, she abandoned the scale completely because she was getting obsessed with like stepping on the scale all the time. So she was measuring progress in terms of what felt good to her rather yeah. than, you know, trying to be a certain number or a certain size. It was about how she was feeling in her clothes. And I've had other clients as well who would have, they'd have the motivation of, going on holiday and you know we start working together you know in springtime and then they've got this end of end of summer holiday that they're going on and they're like right I'm going to buy a new swimsuit so that you know I can motivate myself and they'll they'll feel amazing by the time they finish working with me they'll be like yes I totally rocked that swimsuit um you know I feel strong I feel powerful um it's not about losing a ton of weight but it's more about like just feeling more and looking more toned there's a lot of what people end up saying is like at the beginning, they say, okay, I want to lose X amount of weight. And then they realize it's not so much about the weight because if you're putting on a little bit more muscle right. while simultaneously getting rid of some fat, you're going to look so much more toned. And that's as essentially what it's about. So, yeah. um, mm-hmm. oh, there's so many success stories. I've got my testimonials all posted on my Instagram as well. Awesome. Well, that's so great. I I really, I love hearing that because, and I do think it's important, um, you know, to meet people where they're at and to see what works for them. Because like, I used to have a weight loss client that we used to, we used to, the program, they wanted us to weigh people three times a week. And it was really to just keep them accountable and keep them on track Mm. through the week. But for some people, they, they understood that their body would fluctuate. And if they would get on midweek, even though they had been being really focused and they saw that weight fluctuation, they're like mentally, it would really create a lot of anguish sometimes in their minds and would potentially throw them off track. And so I would have clients push back a little bit and say, I really don't want to get on. I just want to get on once a week. And I'm like, great. Like that. Absolutely. No problem. Mm. Now I am someone that I like the scale. I don't know why, maybe it's a sickness. I do like to get on the scale, Mm. Um, but that's just me. And I know that that's not necessarily right for everybody. Um, but I think it's, it's nice that you kind of meet people where they're at and create a program that's right for them. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's no right and wrong. Like if you like stepping on the scale and you're happy to do that, like that's fine. And I think it only gets to the stage where you're recognizing this is a problem. This is getting obsessive. This is, you know, I'm starting to 
feel differently about myself based on what the number says you know that's when it can turn a little bit like it's more unhealthy but yeah it's meeting people where they are I ask people right at the beginning you know how do you want to measure your progress there's no right and wrong but let's just kind of see what happens without measuring and then we can kind of check in halfway and by halfway I mean like you know six weeks or so so there's a significant period of time to make a change and some people say you know what I never want to step on the scales again I'm happy with figuring out how I feel in my clothes how I feel energetically um and other people are like no I've, I've never had an issue with the scale I'm, I'm happy to step on it it's really interesting data to take in and mm-hmm. everyone's very different um and it's never for me also to d- dictate how someone should live their life like I'm a coach I'm not there to prescribe or say that you should be doing it a certain way it's I'm working with the client to meet them yeah where they're at Yeah. No, that's great. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today, Amelia. This has been an awesome dialogue. Uh, For anybody that's interested in what you're doing that would like to see your testimonials, please tell them where they can find you. Yeah. So I mostly hang out on Instagram. Um, So it's at healthshift underscore by underscore Amelia. Um, I am on Facebook as well by the same name, um, but I tend to, I tend to hang out more and post more on Instagram. So that's always the best place. If you're curious um, and want to book a consultation at all, then please just reach out and say hi and we'll figure out if that's, if that's something that you want to do. Um, And I'm actually keep your eyes peeled because I'm going to be posting a five step um, free resource um, for healthcare workers who want to lose weight and keep it off without restricting themselves um, or giving up their favorite treats. So I'll be releasing that really soon. So if you want to get your hands on that video, then check out my Instagram and you will know how. Great. Well, everybody go follow Amelia and check out everything she's doing and check out the book when it comes out. That sounds really interesting. Uh, Well, thank you so much, Amelia. This has been great. I appreciate your time and it was great getting to know you. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a really interesting conversation. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. All right. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Thanks.